to Proverbs 24, Proverbs 24, verses 3 through 4, and uh, excited about this. There's a search for divine wisdom as an illustration as we are looking at Proverbs 24 this morning, and uh, tell men that a new load, like a load of mineral under the ground, (coughs) has been found in some gulch or cannon. Tell men that some Black Hills country is open for the digging of more gold. And all the armies cannot keep the immigrants from streaming thither from every quarter through the plains, suffering from weariness and from hunger, and in the face of a thousand scalping dangers, they will hunt for that gold. Tell men that in the mountains there are precious stones, opals, rubies, sapphires, and the like, and how they will explore and explode the hills for them. And though but one in a thousand can gain them, yet each one of the thousand will think that he is to be the favored one. Now we are told in the word of God that this understanding of him is more precious than rubies, that silver and gold are as nothing to it. That we are to search for God, to seek after him as for hidden treasures as men search for the dearest objects of their desires. End quotes. The Bible this morning in Proverbs chapter 24, verses 3 and 4, through wisdom is an house builded, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Through wisdom is an house builded. The issue of, as we think about this, of subjecting to a human authority many times is to criticize to critique this authority and determine if I will submit. To all relationships, all relationships, there is a, the word commitment is at the heart of these strong relationships. Friends, parents, marriage, church, citizens, etc. And our commitment to the Lord is the one who ordained these authorities. I've entitled the message, The Gift of Authority. This is part two. As David Gudgel said in his book, Before You Live Together, in regards to dating and courtship, he said, your commitment to commitment will have a direct bearing on the relationship you share with your future mate. And it will be the most important factor in divorce prevention. Healthy marriages are built on an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person by an imperfect person. End quotes. As you think about commitment, and that was used in the, obviously in relationship to marriage, and, and saying married. But if you're, to have a good, if you're going to have a good relationship with your parents, your spouse, your employer, upstanding relationship with the government, then we must have a commitment to God and his ordained authority. Now, as we learn to trust the Lord and learn of him, the Bible tells us you will find rest, right? Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls, Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. It is only in God's wisdom that a house, a home, a life, a church, and a nation can truly be prosperous. As we said, through wisdom is in house built. And you may conditionally submit to authorities because it's forced. But the heart of our submission, submission is not forced. Submission is a choice of our heart to be under the Lord Jesus that I want to follow him, and God has ordained structure of life with which we follow authorities. 
We must realize that the structure, the leadership structure of God is a gift. It's not a burden or thing to resist and be the leader to feed those whom God has entrusted to your care. With that, let's pray and we'll ask the Lord for his help upon this time. We'll pick up a little bit of where we talked about last week and then carry forward. But I want to tell you, if we understand ultimately our lives, we're submitting to something in our lives. We're either submitting to God and God's ordained authority, or we're submitting to our own authority and the consequences that come with that. You're going to submit to something in life. You submit to your own philosophy, your own ways, or you're submitting to what God has said or something else. But we all are submitting to something. Some may say, I submit to nothing. Well, okay, then you're still submitting to yourself. As you think on these truths today, I want to tell you and I want to encourage you and challenge you to say, listen, I want to submit to the authority of Christ. Because there can be no greater that I can follow and lead. As I said there, as we found in our bulletin about the leader or a boss, a boss dictates and a leader coaches, encourages, and leads the way. A leader would never want to give someone something to do that they couldn't do themselves. I understand sometimes a leader commissions others to do things that they can't do because they don't have the know-how or the ability. That's different. But a leader leads. Sets the example of servant, as the Lord Jesus Christ would do. Let's pray, and we'll look at this further this morning. Our dear heavenly and gracious Father, Lord, I yield this morning to Thee. I thank You for loving us and caring for us. Father, I need Your help. I need Your direction and guidance. Father, I pray You challenge our hearts to get under Your instruction and guidance and direction for our lives. Father, You love us. You made us. You know all about us. And you never want to lead us into the very paths of danger, in the paths without your presence there to help us. They might sometimes we might be led, and, and even as Jesus led of the Spirit in the wilderness, there was a temptation, but the strength to carry through. Father, you never lead us where you won't guide us and help us, encourage us. Father, I pray this morning that we would just say, Lord. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. And we'll just yield our lives, I'll yield our will to thee. Father, I need your help. And I pray this morning for the individual that does not know you as their personal Savior. Maybe they're really challenged on this, struggling with it, but Lord, I pray they'd settle that decision this morning. Father, I love you. Thank you so much for caring for every one of us. Each and every one of us are precious in your sight. Help me as I preach your holy word. In your precious name I pray. Amen. The builder of relationships, as I mentioned last week, and I found it interesting as you think about it, Jesus is a carpenter, right? Was a carpenter there. And uh, Joseph was a carpenter and learned the trade from the, uh, you know, Mary's husband. And, uh, you know, and, and Jesus started off as a carpenter. He also would say in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church. You know, you can build no greater than Jesus as the carpenter. Letting us know, you know, and the members of a church is God's building. And 1 Corinthians 3 lets us know this. 
And then we looked at the gift of relationships, and in John 21, Jesus made a direct statement to Peter after his resurrection. There, uh, Peter would run to Jesus, and there by the, the shoreline after they've been fishing, and Peter gets out of the boat. He's like, I don't care. I'm going to see Jesus. He runs up to Jesus. They have a little meal around a fire, and, and then he says, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Lovest thou me more than these? Jesus says, feed my, yea, Lord, thou knowest. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And the Bible tells us that we're all sheep. And Jesus sets the example of leadership because in Mark 6, 34, he began to teach them many things. Jesus taught. His, his ministry for those three and a half years was teaching, but teaching and living out what he was teaching. You see, when a shepherd leaves or is destroyed, a leader leaves it hurts. It hurts a church when a leader leaves. It hurts a family when a leader leaves. It hurts a, an employment, an employee, you know, a company when a leader leaves. Sometimes for the better, but other times it can hurt. But a leader that leaves hurts. It's felt. Now, let's look at John chapter 10. This is a little bit of review from last week, and I'll pick back up. And I start off with this, that there's a gift of relationship. Every one of us were meant and made and created to be in relationships. I mean, God, the very first thing, you know, God created, I'm going through this next series of some messages and continuing on with this, but you found in the very first Genesis chapter 2, not good that man should be alone. God knows we need relationships. We need relationships. We're a relational people. Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, you still need relationships. We're unfulfilled without relationships. And as a leader, in John chapter 10, Jesus tells us, verses 11 and 12, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep, but he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them, and scattereth the sheep. Jesus says, listen, when hard times come, I'm not out of there. I'm not leaving. It's a hireling. In leadership, when you're the leader, the people you're leading aren't always going to love you. They're not always going to like you. They might not like your decisions you're making. The disciples didn't like what Jesus was saying sometimes. They would desert him when he really needed him. But the gift of a relationship as a leader that Jesus says, listen, I'll give my life. A leader stands in the path and says, listen, I'm not moving. This is right. And Jesus, as the great shepherd, the good shepherd, as you think on these truths this morning. And, and God's desire is to feed and nurture. And, and God, you realize this, that God called fathers to feed and nurture? In Ephesians 6, 4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. God says, fathers, I want you to nurture your kids. Admonish the kids. The gift of the relationship, he says, fathers are to be nurturers. I mean, mothers are all naturally, but he tells fathers, nurture and admonish in the Lord. I'm not nurturing just to nurture. He says, you nurture in the Lord. 
fathers are taking the lead and leading their children closer to God by their examples. That's God's desire. He doesn't do it with a heavy hand. He doesn't do it uh, in anger, but he's doing it, as it says, in a very nurturing, helpful, growing way. He says, teach them diligently. When thy, and then in Deuteronomy 6, 20, and when thy son asketh thee in time to come, what mean the testimonies and the statutes? Well, and the son's asking a question, Dad, what are these for? The, the father, the dad, comes alongside and as in there in Israel's day, he'd say these stones, right, when they cross over the Jordan River, these 12 stones are when we crossed the Jordan River. That God got us across. You see, a leader is to point back to the real leader, God, the Lord Jesus Christ. A leader's not about trying to draw attention to himself, he's trying to draw it to the true authority. Mothers are to feed and nourish. 1 Timothy chapter 5, look with me here about mothers. Mothers lead the chi- you know, also lead the children. I mean, it, I, I want to tell you, some of the strongest influence in my life, I think, was, as we see here in 1 Timothy 5, I think I remember going out with my grandmother on bus visitation. I remember going with my grandmother to, to, to Bible clubs at public schools. My grandmother had an unbelievable impact. In fact, today is her, what would have been her birthday. She's now with the Lord, so she, she's okay. But, <clears throat> 1 Timothy 5.10, well reported of for good works, if she have brought up children, if she have lodged strangers, if she have washed the saints' feet, if she have relieved the afflicted, if she have diligently followed every good work. He's talking here about, now this is discussing godly widows, and He's, she's brought up children. I mean, she was a leader in bringing up those children. She lodged strangers. I mean, she was hospitable, and, and, and she was just one that wanted to help others. You know what? Mothers, you have a tremendous influence as leadership over your kids in the guiding and the directing of your children. That brought up there, that if she had brought up children, is to raise to maturity, providing for physical and psychological uh, needs. The mother does that. I know some, when our daughter, she hurts herself or she's not feeling well, she doesn't want to come to daddy. She wants to go to mommy. I don't know what it is. Rebecca's like, it's just a mother thing. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I would take the cuddles, but she wants to go to mommy when she doesn't feel good. Okay. I can't change it. It is what it is. I'm telling you, mothers... 2 Timothy 1.5, look at this. Second Timothy 1.5, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned, that means a, a genuine faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy mother, the grandmother Lois, and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that thee also. Here are grandmothers and mothers by their very example. They have a genuine faith, and they would end up being instrumental in the raising of of the man, Timothy, who would be a pastor, whom Paul would work with. The unfeigned, the genuine faith. Whether you're married or you're a single mother, your faith in God is instrumental in the lives of your children. You're a leader. Leading those children to know how to love God. In 2 Timothy 3.15, look with me here. 
in that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise into salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. From a child you knew the holy scriptures. Yes, a father does that, and a mother does that. But from a child knowing the holy scriptures, someone's got to teach them. You may not be a parent, you may not be a biological parent, but you're still a parent. You're raising a child. God says, let the children know the Holy Scriptures. You're a leader. You're appointed by God to raise that child. You know what? Here's another thing. Husbands in the leadership role, but look with me here. Husbands are to feed and nourish his wife. Leadership feeds. Leadership feeds and nourishes so the person can be the best that they can be. It's not domineering. Though what I say, that's not leadership. That's tyranny. I'm saying a leader feeds those. He's looking out for the best needs. And a boss and employees should be looking out for their employees, saying, how are they doing? Are they struggling? Are they, you know, I've seen that, some of that show, Undercover Boss, and they go into various businesses, and, and they're talking with their employees, and they're, they're sitting there, and, you know, some of these employees, I mean, they have horrible, very difficult circumstances, and, and the boss gets there, you know, in one of these, uh, and they begin to talk about some of their life, and it does air on the TV, and, and uh, you know, they're, all the shows are online for free or something. Anyways, I've watched a few of them. And I know the stories, and the boss says, you know what, I, I forgot. We forget what people are going through. But a boss gets down with the people and understands where they're at. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, a husband is to feed and nourish his wife. That's his responsibility before God. He points them back to God, who is the truth. That's where we get our source of, of food and nourishment and joy. I mean, we get it through the word of God. If you're not married, you're directly there. I mean, you have God's, there's the authority of God to lead you and guide you. But in Genesis 2, 24, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. I mean, he cleaves... I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an inseparable relationship, and he's thinking about her, her best interest. Genesis chapter 18, turn with me here. I mean, the gift of relationships that God's given us and the leadership structure, I'm talking, so what I'm talking about today is what God's designed. I'm not saying how it's always implemented. I'm just saying this is what God has designed. Now, we have a choice. You know, we are all imperfect people, right? We're still working through things and, and going through our own battles and our own struggles and various things, and, and God's working on us. And that's why we need to be very open to saying, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Because we all mess up. None of us are perfect. I'm just going through giving you the gift of the relationship structures that God has given. And so many times this is taught, here's the leader, here's the leader, and, and not understanding there's to be a feeding and a nourishing. And obviously, there's other things that come along with that, and we'll talk about that in due time, but in Genesis 18, verse 17, about Abraham, actually verse 19, excuse me, for the sake of time, 
For I know him, speaking about Abraham, that he will command his children and his household after him, that's after the Lord, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. But he says, I know him. He's going to raise his children up, his household. Now, Abraham had a whole lot of problems. You realize in Deuteronomy 24, 5, about a husband, it says in the first year, he's to cheer up his wife. He's not to go to battle. He's not to go to war. The first year, he is to nourish his wife. Leadership. Take care of her. Build strong. In that. I mean, that first year of marriage, there's, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, you have two different people, two different ways of thinking about life, and you come together, and you're living together, and you each do things that drive the other person crazy, and you're figuring out how it happens, and you're just like, Rah! you know, and, uh, you, you know, and, and so that, he says, first year, make a commitment to one another to spend time with sacred. He says, husband, I don't want you to go to war, I want you to take care of your wife this one year. It does say in Ephesians 5, 23, the husband's the head of the wife, but that headship is not that he's better. Is your boss better than you? Is a politician better than you? Some might say, no, definitely not. But I'm just saying, they're not better. Different roles, different people. It's not a comparison. It's just fulfilling where we're at. But then it says in Ephesians 5.25, if you want to take the leadership husbands, he says, listen, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. If you're going to be the leader, you better love as Christ did unconditionally. This is what God's expectation is. If someone loves you unconditionally, a boss, a parent, would you not want to take their instruction? Would you not want to follow? Would you not want to do life with them? Someone loves you unconditionally. This is not, as many times put out there, man and woman, she has to... That is complete garbage. It's not biblical. Because a leader feeds. And in Ephesians 5, 26, look with me here. won't finish this this today i'm telling you these things that god's given are actually we can kick against it but the most fundamental thing that every person as a child they need to learn obedience to the parent it's it's important to listen if they won't listen to their parents when they get older they're going to not want to listen to authority and if you don't listen to authority when you get older uh, it, it, it can be a real problem. You can have some real struggles. You might have some struggles with law enforcement, and that's not a good day. Ephesians 5.26, the Bible tells us, I'm, I'm only putting a little bit of emphasis because I don't want someone saying, pastor says men are better than women. No, no, please don't ever say that. That is completely wrong. We're different you have abilities I don't have, and I have abilities you don't have, and vice versa, and they overlap. It's not, again, it's, this is a world, this is a worldly, it might be religious, but it's not a biblical perspective. Because Adam and Eve, Adam, I'll talk about this coming forward, but Adam, 
Eve came out of Adam's side, not from his head or from, not from his feet. They're companions, equal. Different, but equal. But it says, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That word there is rhema, and uh, verse 26, and the implied is the ongoing cleansing comes through the preaching of the word. In, in, in this particular instance, talking about the church, but also your homes, your cleansing of your home. As the selfish attitudes of a husband and a wife and the selfish attitudes of both of us. It comes through the word. You want to know also what God says in the authority structure, but I'd have you know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is a man and the head of Christ is God. Guess what, husband? If you're not leading right, God's going to make, God's coming after you if you don't take care of his daughter. God's going to come after you. It also says in Ephesians 5.28, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. It says you better take care of her as you love your own body. Think about her as your own body. That's what God expects of us. He said, listen, she's a gift. Pastors are to feed the flock of God, 1 Peter 5. Taking the oversight thereof, neither as being lords over God's heritage. Pastors are leaders, but he says feed. Feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. In Ezekiel chapter 34, it talks about evil pastors who are out to nourish themselves. They don't feed the flocks. They don't shepherd the flocks. When, I mean, they clothe, they fatten themselves up, they clothe themselves, they strengthen themselves, but they don't strengthen God's flock. And Jesus says, then comes wolves and it scatters the sheep and you don't care about it. Hey, you've been made better, you don't care. You also realize in another relationship that we have is the government is to care for God's people. You realize in 1 Kings chapter 22, as, as the kings of Israel and Judah, they would call them, he talked about sheep that have not a shepherd, and then talking in Psalm 80, uh, give ear, O shepherd of Israel, talking you know, about a king, thou that leadest Joseph like a flock, thou that dwellest between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh, stir up thy strength and come save us, turn us again, O God, and cause thy face to shine, and we shall be saved. But if you think about it, in other passages of Scripture, he'll say, they're my people. Every one of us were created in God's image with a leader. Now, in looking at feeding, every leader is to feed those. Dads to feed their children, mothers to feed the children. I'm not just talking physical feeding, but I mean, like you're feeding the soul, feeding the spirit. This is what God has ordained and designed. These are gifts. Now, the gifts of leaders in relationships. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Jesus would also say in John 20, 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. Never once, never once does God say, you're the leader's people. Never once. He says, they're my people. My wife is a gift of the Lord. My daughter, our daughter is a gift of the Lord. This church is a gift of the Lord. And it talks about Christ as a savior of the body, Ephesians 5. He laid down his life for us. The gift of Je Jesus is a gift. If you're unmarried, it talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Let's look with me here. Lest some people are like, ah, I, you know, 
I don't want to leave anyone out. You know, all categories. But the gift of relationships and the structure that God has had, a leader is to feed and nourish those to whom they lead. To take care, to grow, to, to help, to nourish. And, and that person, I mean, you are a blessing. You're a gift. Children, to the, chil- to the parent, a parent is a, a gift to the, the children. A husband is a gift to the wife. A wife is a gift to the husband. And, and scripture talks about these are gifts from God. You, it's not something you deserve. It's not a right. It's, it's a privilege. This whole leadership structure is a gift. Many times we want to fight against it because I want what I want. But I don't want to do what God wants. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, speaking to the unmarried. For I would that all men were even as myself. Now Paul wasn't married. For every man hath his proper gift of God, and one after this manner, and another after that. I say, therefore, to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. He said, if you're a widow and you don't want to marry, don't marry. If you're, if you're unmarried and maybe you're younger and you don't think that God wants you to marry, don't marry. Right? But if they cannot contain, right? If you have a great desire to be married, I'll let them marry. For it's better to marry than to burn. But... God's, you know, and, and then verse 34 of the same passage of Scripture, there is difference also between the wife and a virgin. The unmarried careth for the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit, but she that is married careth for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. You know, when you're married, you're, you're concerned about the spouse. If you're unmarried, man, you're just all about Jesus. It should be. God isn't, now, if you're unmarried and you're not like, I don't really care to be married, praise the Lord, that's a gift. If you aren't married and you're like, I want to be married, start praying. Now, I want to tell you something here, husbands. Proverbs 18, would you turn with me here? This whole authority and leadership structure, man, God just sets it. He he puts us in our place. Because God loves us. God didn't leave this authority structure for man. Now man has established their own structure, and man has twisted scripture to fit their selfish means. But God has established an order, in order that things would run and people would be taken care of as they ought to be taken care of. I want to tell you something here, men. Proverbs 18, 22. Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing. And obtaineth favor of the Lord. That good is beneficial, pleasant, favorable. That word favor is what is acceptable. Jeremy Taylor said this. He said, a good mate, he's talking about your wife, mister. A good mate is heaven's last and best gift to man. Her voice, his sweetest music. Her smile, his brightest day. Her lips, his faithful counselor. And her prayers, the ablest advocate of heaven's blessings on his head. Whoso findeth the wife, findeth a good thing. Look with me also here, husbands. 1 Corinthians 7. Your wife is a gift. And you know what? Your body doesn't belong to you, husbands. It belongs to your wife. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 2. Actually, verse 3. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife and the husband. This is talking about marital intimacy. But the wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. You know what? Your, your responsibility, he says, you belong 
to your spouse, vice versa. You know what God also says? Proverbs 31, who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband does safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. A wife is a gift of God. Precious, beautiful, wonderful, to be cherished, cared for. In Proverbs 31, strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She opened her mouth with wisdom, and her tongue is a law of kindness. Can I tell you over and over again, there are many times I have thought about doing something, I've talked to my wife, she gives some input, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's pretty good. She's right. She compliments me. I'll have to leave this for going forward. I still have quite a few, quite a bit to go, but You see, all of this structure, it gets back to ultimately God is the authority. God's the authority over you personally. He's the authority over your marriage, authority over your home. He's the authority over a church. He should be the authority over a nation. And if we get the authority structure right where God is, we get his instructions. As we talked about in Proverbs 24, through wisdom is in house builded. If we get away from the wisdom of the authority of God, whether a pastor get away from it, a husband gets away from it, a wife, a mother gets away from it, wherever that structure deviates from the authority, there's going to be some collateral problems. And I'll talk a lot more going forward, but if we do it God's way, it's a whole lot better. You'll have someone, you'll have the leader, whoever that leader is in your life. There's a God-appointed leader that will care for you and feed you. Getting into the right, that's what God's desire is. Because Jesus set the example, he said, I'm dying on the cross because I want to be your savior. I want to be your leader. I want to be your shepherd, but you've got to get into my sheepfold. I love you so much. I don't want you to perish. I don't want you to die and go into eternity without me. I want to be your shepherd, the good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He wants to provide, but as a shepherd, he's the leader that I follow. He's the authority. And this morning, maybe you're struggling with several things and battling, and, and you're like, oh, I hate authority. But rather than fighting, you say, Lord, help put me into the sheepfold. Help put me into the fields under the authorities you've put so I can be fed and I can be nourished. My home, my family, my life, my wife, wherever. You know, your your partner as you're, you know, maybe moving towards marriage. I don't know where you're at this morning. But I want to tell you, God says to leaders, feed my You talk to Peter, feed my sheep. If you're a leader, number one, they're not yours. They're a gift from God. That relationship is a gift from God. Your spouse, she's a gift from God, or he is a gift from God. Your children, they're a gift from God. Every relationship is a gift. Cherish it, 
because it's a gift from the real authority God. And rather than fighting and trying to assert, why don't I just bow my will and say, okay, God, I'll follow. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He says, listen, I'll provide your emotional and spiritual needs, I'll, I'll provide. Authority is a gift if you get into the right sheepfold. And God tells us, I want you to, Christ said, follow me. As a leader, he said, follow. God's desire for your life is to follow. And, and I mean, he even talks about government. I'm not going down. I will talk about that in time, but this morning as you think about this, and think about your life, and just say, Lord, am I willing to follow? None of us are perfect. Leaders aren't perfect. Leaders mess up. I'm not talking about going into, I'm just saying, you know, sometimes we say we might do something, we forget, and then you're like, ah, they, they messed, you know, they lie. Well, Sometimes it's just you forget, but I'm not, I'm not talking about like immorality or anything like that. I'm not talking about that kind of fall, but I'm just talking leaders, we're going to mess up. I'm going to mess up as I lead our daughter, and my wife leads our daughter. We're going to mess up. You know what? There's times I've done something, and, and you know, maybe you know, something happens in correction, and then I come up to her and I say, you know what? Daddy was wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? A leader also, you know, as they feed, sometimes it's also the humility to say, listen, I didn't do it right. Will you forgive me? This morning, as you think on the gift of authority, number one, will you praise God for the authority God's put in your life? Number two, if you're fighting, would you just say, Lord, help me? And first and foremost, if Jesus isn't your authority and you're still trying to lead your own life, and you're trying to do life your own way and get to heaven your own way and do Christianity your own way, and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and you think it's about being a good person or doing enough or, you know, whatever it might be, I hope this morning you'd realize there's a shepherd, Jesus, the great shepherd, the good shepherd. He says, listen, come unto me. Ask of him your forgiveness. Ask him to forgive all your sins and be your Savior, and you'll be forgiven. As we come to the time of invitation this morning, I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what you're struggling with. But you're a leader in some right, in some way. Most of you are parents. You're a leader. A grandparent. You're a leader. And God calls them, he says, feed, feed, nourish those to whom you lead. Be the kind of person to whom you're following the great shepherd and you now have the ability to feed others as the Lord leads you. So as we come to the time of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, no music playing, I just want to challenge you. Number one, do you know Jesus as your Savior? Is there ever a time in life you've asked Christ to forgive you? And number two, if you are a Christian, pastor, I know for sure, are you feeding those to whom God has entrusted you to lead? Are you leading? Are you guiding and giving direction and nurturing and all of those things that God has called you to do. I trust you'd say, yes, I, I am doing that. Or, Lord, would you help me to grow more? 
we can all grow, we can all learn more. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, when you're done praying, look up, and I'll conclude in a word of prayer this morning. questions about salvation or questions about your eternity, I would feel free to chat with me after and say, Pastor, I'd like to talk, happily chat with you. Just a moment longer and I'll conclude in prayer. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you for this morning. I thank you for each and every person you've brought out this morning. Lord, I pray that the message fed and nourished, it challenged us. Lord, we do need you. Every one of us needs you. Lord, and we need instruction through wisdom as a house build it. Whether the structure is a home, whether it's a personal life, whether it's a church, whether it's a marriage, uh, we need your wisdom. We need your structure that you've created. Except the Lord build the house. And so, Father, I trust that as the truths come forth, it will just follow. Lord, I love you. Thank you for caring for us and nurturing us and, uh, Lord, even challenge, chastising us and disciplining us when we need it. Because, Father, your heart is to keep those relationships close. Lord, I love you. Thank you for your grace and mercy. Help us as we go out to honor you, be ambassadors for Christ in Jesus. Most holy and precious name I pray.